0: Aloha, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to the next day of your life. You ever think about that? You wake up and you're like, wow, today is the next day in my life. I do sometimes. And as soon as I start thinking about that, I kind of get triggered into thinking like, you know what, I can make this a great day or I can make this a sad day or... I can make this day be whatever I want it to be. And so, that's kind of one of my morning rituals actually. Anyways, I'm kind of bird walking here a little bit. I was thinking today about the state of our world, the state of the economy, the state of the nation's mindset. And it, I began thinking about writing a letter to my dear friend, Corporate America. And as I was mentally composing the letter in my head, I envisioned myself, you know, I kind of just envisioned corporate America. Like if it was one person, if you could just take the whole conglomerate, the whole enchilada and just pretend it's one person and then you could have a conversation with that person. What would you tell them? If you could have have them step into your office for an hour meeting and you could talk to the whole lot, the, all the CEOs, all the board of directors and you could try to pick their brain for a in and you know, no holds barred, cage match style debate or you know, whatever whatever you wanted the meeting to be, that's how the meeting could go. And so, as I Tell you my interview with corporate America. I want you to think about how your interview with corporate America would go. Mine would go something like this. Hey, Chachi, come on into my office, buddy. Come on in. It's nice to see. You. Hey, sh- go ahead, shut the door. Uh, if you there's some crumb cake in the back. If you want some crumb cake, why don't you have a little slice? pour some coffee because we're gonna I got some questions for you and uh, first off thanks for being here Chachi um, in case you haven't noticed things are pretty messed up they're pretty messed up and there's a lot of people that are blaming you Chachi I know I get it I get it they don't understand you they just don't understand you I know I know we're gonna get there Just let me go ahead and finish and then you can say what you have to say You're probably thinking to yourself right now. Well, all these people complaining are a bunch of babies They don't understand how hard you worked and all the sacrifice you've put in How many ruined marriages you've had how much your kids don't like you they don't understand that They don't understand that production is the holy grail of profit Right? They don't have the ability to look down from a bird's eye view on top of the organization and understand that people are no more than interchangeable parts. And that because of people like B.F. Skinner and all these behaviorists, we can motivate these people into being more productive. And by motivate, I mean we can use some social science to fire up parts of their brain that make them angry but more productive in fact we can use some of these same strategies that governments and countries use in war you know we could even we could even use some of the the same policies that were used in internment camps I mean those people were productive we didn't pay them a dime. <laughs> look at you smiling Chachi you see you see I get you buddy that's what you're thinking I know you know what else the people on the bottom don't get to see they don't get to see how awesome it is to live out on your big yacht go hang out with your helicopter rides and your exotic Scandinavian women or maybe your South American women they don't People on the bottom don't understand how awesome that feels for you. You know, it reminds me of a story, Chachi. There was this businessman. My, my wife told me this story. Actually, and her dad told her this story. So, <clears throat> this Chinese businessman, he's a billionaire. And he is deciding where to p- his billions of dollars and he has no shortage of people wanting his billions of dollars so he's flown out to new york on this gulf stream five and there he has like three meetings scheduled with three different hedge fund managers and he goes to the first one and of course they set up a nice dinner for him in a way it's really nice, restaurant, and then he goes to another one, and the same thing you know, they're, they're trying to show him how extravagant and, and how prestigious they are, and, and how much of a luxury it would be for him to be affiliated with them. However, he passes on the first two. And he goes to the third one. The most prestigious hedge fund out there. And the first night, he has a series of meetings scheduled with this final premier hedge fund. And the first night, he meets with one of the vice presidents way out on this guy's... The vice president has this beautiful yacht. And so the Chinese billionaire and the... Vice president go out to the yacht and they're having a nice bottle of 150 year old scotch and they're sipping it and talking about investment strategies and they finish their, you know, their early dinner and then they get picked up by like the president of the company who lands his helicopter on the vice president's yacht and they fly over to the president's penthouse on the skyline of New York. And they they have an evening, you know, a couple more hours there, where more conversation is had about investment strategies and trips to saint Tropez and the mindset of a billionaires. All the while, the Chinese billionaire is being wine and dined. And towards the end of the evening, they meet with. The board of directors and CEOs on the CEO's yacht, and this thing looks like an—it looks like Larry Ellison's yacht. Have you guys ever seen that thing? I've seen it because I live in Hawaii, and sometimes that guy will park his yacht where the cruise ships go. I want you to think about that for a minute. This guy has a boat that's as big as a cruise ship. It might even be built like on an aircraft carrier frame. I, I, it's gargantuan. You're like, that's, that's one person's boat? That's one person's yacht? Anyways, so towards the end of the night, the Chinese billionaire is, he has been shown all the glamorous extravagance that these people at the hedge fund have built up. And they, the time has come, the stroke of midnight, they show him the contract and they hand him a pen and they say, Do you have any questions? the Chinese billionaire just looks at all of them and he goes, you know, I do because I was, I was mesmerized the amount of wealth that the vice president had and he showed me his yacht. The guy kind of beams with a little bit of pride, the vice president, and then the Chinese billionaire goes on and he says, I thought that was very extravagant and albeit ostentatious, a spectacular amount of wealth. Only to be outdone by the president, whose three-story skyline penthouse with a breathtaking view of the city was even more extravagant. And at that time, I thought to myself, wow, this there's a lot of money here. Only to be eclipsed by the CEO's Mega yacht that looks like an aircraft carrier And so at this point the executives are all smiling and they're all happy And they say well what I didn't hear a question in there and the Chinese billionaire says well I've seen your level of extravagance in your yachts and your skylines My question to you is Where are all your customers yachts? Where are all your customers Skyline penthouses? You've shown me nothing of that. All you've shown me is your ability to take money from people like me and give it to yourselves. <laughs> what do you think about that, Chachi? I know, Mr. Corporate America. I know. I know. It's not very funny when you look at it like that, huh? But sometimes it takes the wisdom of somebody older than us to paint a picture of what you're doing. Do you understand that? I notice you're, you're not smiling anymore, Chachi. Okay, hang on. Let me, let me just try to throw this one at you. Let me try to sneak up on you this way, okay? There's a... I once heard a story like this. It was a... There's this old bull, and he is grazing through the grasslands. You know, he has been there 30 years. And he's grazing the grasslands in a nice, peaceful, tranquil area. And all of a sudden, this big crane comes and he lands right on the back of the bull. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but if you live in the country, you'll sometimes see one of the cranes or like a bird land on the back of the bull or a cow and they'll eat the bugs off the back of the cow and stuff. And it's actually kind of beautiful. So so the bull's grazing and the stork or the crane flies down and he lands on the bull. And you know he's taking the bugs off the bull and eating them. And, looking down at the grass to see if there's any insects or rodents he can eat and this goes on for quite some time and then the bird speaks to the bull as they're as they're passing this giant tree like a 50 foot beautiful pine tree the crane looks up at the very top of the tree in a wistful manner and he says to the bull hey bull you see that tree there When I was a younger bird, I could fly to the top of that tree and I could belt out the song so beautiful that the birds would be crying from miles away. And he just kind of takes a longing pause and the bull's chewing the grass and he goes, you know, there's no reason why you can't do that again. And the the bird says, "Well, you know, listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm not 22 anymore, pal. You know, I, I just, I don't have what I used to have, and I can't fly as fast. My voice is cracking, and I just don't have the stamina." And the bull says, "No, listen, I, I happen to have a secret that, to, that I can tell you, that will allow you to relive your youth. In fact, you could be stronger and better than you've ever been." The bird says, I'm listening. Go ahead. The bull says, well, look, it's going to sound crazy, but I'll tell you. And you decide if you want to do it. The bird says, I'm all ears. So then the bull tells the bird, listen. I eat this grass. This grass has a magic quality to it. And as I eat the grass, obviously it goes through my system and then I poop it out. Now, bird, if you eat some of this poop just a little bit every day you will feel yourself getting stronger and better and eventually within a very short amount maybe two days you will be better than you've ever been and you can fly to the top of that tree faster you could sing louder and you will be more radiant than you've ever been in your life and the bird is <laughs> you know he wants to believe it but he's like i don't i don't want to eat this bull's poop that's kind of gross However, after thinking about it, the next day the bird comes back and he takes a little bit of the nibble of the cow or the bull's poop and he takes a little another nibble and he's, he's eaten quite a big chunk of it today. <clears throat> and he's kind of grossed out about it, but he, he just eats it for a day. And then the next day, the third day he flies back and he feels tremendous. He says, wow, bull, you know, yesterday I, I ate some of the the dong and I feel great and he goes wait till tomorrow you eat this whole stack over here and you wait till tomorrow you'll fly to the top of that tree and so the the bird eats the whole chunk and he comes back the next day and he says to the bull I feel do I look as radiant as I feel I feel tremendous my voice is strong my wings are strong I can feel the air rushing beneath my wings lifting me And the bull says, yeah, I told you. Now, let's see you fly to that, let's see see you do it. Can you do it? And he goes, I know I can. So the bird on the back of the bull pushes off with his feet in a strong burst. And he flies like Steve McQueen on a racetrack to the top of that tree. And he flies to the very tip, tip, tippy top of the branch. And he stands on there and he bounces and he looks down at this magnificent view. And he begins to belt out this beautiful song. And it's heard just echoing through the branches and it's lifted onto the wind. And as the bird is just getting warmed up, his first intro is just belted out. There's a farmer on the other side of the tree that looks up and he sees that bird and he's got his shotgun right there and he lifts up his gun he shoots the bird dead pan straight on in the beak just blast the bird in the face bird falls from the tree dies do you know the moral of that story chachi are you with me the moral of that story is that bullshit can get you to the very top But it can't keep you there. You understand? You see what I mean by that, Chachi? The level of bullshit that corporate America has thrust upon itself, that the board of directors and CEOs have fed to their underlings, it may have got you to the top. But unfortunately, the way the world is now, we're all farmers. And you are at the top of this damn tree spewing your garbage. And you're surrounded by farmers. You get it? I think that you, Chachi, the representative of corporate America, you have an opportunity right now to come clean. I don't know if it's going to work. However, if I was the board of directors, if I was the CEO, I would think long and hard about doing the right thing instead of doing things right. Is that not the very definition of the difference between a manager and a leader? A manager is someone who does things right. A leader is someone who does the right thing. You get it? Now, Chachi, I know this one might hurt a little bit, but I'm sure you're aware of the recent Bayer-Monsanto debacle, the $10 billion payout where they admit no guilt. That seems to be a theme with you, Chachi. You're willing to pay everybody off $10 billion as long as you don't have to admit guilt. But I want you to think about that. There's no amount of money that can stave off what's coming. And th- let me tell you about this here. You see, I understand not wanting to admit guilt, right? You've put all this money into this product. You have, you've been selling it for years. People are buying it. You don't want to say it's bad because then you got to take it off the shelf. Why not just pay the $10 billion and you'll make up that revenue in a few years, right? wrong, wrong. Nothing ever gets better until you admit that something's wrong, Chachi. You understand that? I don't care if you're Chachi Corporate America, if you're George Monty, or if you're an organization. It doesn't matter. Nothing gets better until you admit that something is wrong. You understand that? Because if you, if you don't admit something's wrong, then you don't have to drive to fix it. And clearly, Chachi, everybody can see there's something wrong except you and the board of directors in there. You get it? Things are not going to get better because you fail to admit that there's something wrong. I know, I know it's not fair. It's not fair. I get it. You didn't create the whole mess. I know. It was the people before you. But it's kind of like musical chairs, Chachi. No one knows when the music stops. And it just so happens that as a friend, man to man, I'm giving you the old tap on the shoulder and saying, Hey, Chachi, hey, Chachi, the music's going to stop. I'd start putting my eye on a chair over there. Now, it's not too often you get to hear that. Especially from a mob of angry people that are telling you, hey, this is your last warning. It's your last warning, corporate America. There's a way out of this, but we have to work together. We have to work together. The... Last 30, 40, 50 years of privatizing profits and socializing losses. It's just not working for anybody but you, Chachi. It doesn't take a whole lot of foresight to forecast the potential possibilities of what's about to happen, right? If you look at one thing, the Chamber of Commerce, some of your friends chachi and the rest of corporate america have done for a long time is they have brought in a lot of migrant workers from other countries strictly to undercut the paychecks of the people that are already here working the truth is a lot of migrant workers that come into this country probably work harder than the people that are already here in some ways That's right, Chachi. That's right. I I agree with you there. It's true. It's very true. And they're willing to work for a lot less because they came from a place where there's a lot less. And you see, in the beginning, at the round table, at the board of directors meeting, that sounds phenomenal. These guys will work harder for less money. Yeah. They'll be more productive, producing more profit for us at the top. And And they want to do it. Well, that, my friend, I get it. I get that. But here's what you're not factoring in. Those very same people that work harder for less. You know what else they do? So let's just say here in America, sometimes you have people who go on strike and they go outside your business with a picket sign and say, hey, this guy's unfair labor practices. You shouldn't go here. And I know, I hear you. I hear you, Chachi. You and your friends sit back in your ivory tower with your nice, you know, tinted windows laughing at those dummies. And then you call your friends in the police force and, hey, can you move these protesters to a quote-unquote protest zone where they're not affecting my business, where they can have their free speech as loud as they want in a parking lot where no one will see them? Can you just move them over there? And then you guys high-five each other and laugh a little bit more because that's pretty funny, right? But let me tell you what happens when you bring in a lot, hundreds, thousands, or even millions of unskilled workers who work harder for less. You see, those people, they don't show up with a sign, Chachi. See, when they protest, they don't show up with a sign that says, hey, this dummy in here is an unfair fat cat, steals profits, that, that is trying to funnel all the money that's to the top for the shareholders. You see, they don't do that. The people you bring in from third world countries that work harder for less, they have a different form of justice. I got your ears, don't I? Okay. You know, I recently read about a factory in India where the manager or leader, depending on how you want to define that, was pushing the people pretty hard. And the people had enough. And you know what they did? They didn't show up at the place of business with signs, Chachi. They waited for the leader to get in his car with his family. And then they surrounded that car. And they set that car on fire. And they sat around and cheered. You get it? Chachi? Are you listening to me, princess? That is what's coming. It's not fair. It's not nice. And it's not right. But that's what's coming. Unless you, corporate America, Chachi, start doing the right thing. You get it? I'm of the opinion that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And if you've read your history, Chachi, what you're seeing is the breakdown in society now. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing the chaos. I think you're seeing a managed chaos. I think what you're seeing is the mass media The government officials doing everything in their power to divide the people on the bottom, black versus white versus brown versus Indian. What it is, is that the people at the very top desperately trying to divide everyone else so everyone on the bottom doesn't attack the people on the top. This is our let them eat cake moment, too little, too late. I know you're scared, Chachi. Corporate America, you should be very, very scared. There's a lot of innocent people that don't deserve it. And the people that are gonna first get caught up are gonna be the middle management, right? Because the working people, they can't get to the board of directors, they can't get to the CEO, but you know who they can get to? Their immediate manager. They're immediate supervisors. These people who don't really have any skin in the game. These people, the the lower level and middle level management people are people that are doing what they're told to do. These are the people that got A's in school and went to college and have always abided by authority. They think they're doing the right thing. They believe that treating people like numbers and trying to squeeze production out of people is something that is necessary. But those poor bastards, those poor people, they don't, either they, they don't want to understand or they don't understand. I've spoken to so many people in middle positions and tried to explain to them Chachi, just like I'm explaining to you that when it comes, people know where you live. You get it? The guy that has 10 kids that can't feed his family, he's not going to fly to New York to the boardroom, but he might come to your house. You know, I had a meeting with, with six management people a while back and I explained to them the mindset of the people that I'm talking to all around. It seems to me, it seems to me that the people on the very top are going to sacrifice those people the CEOs the board of the directors they know no one's coming for them and that the middle level management people are going to be cannon fodder for the masses I hope I hope if you find yourself in a management position or a middle management position you have the ability to think critically right don't charge blindly with the light of authority into righteousness. Think about what people at the top are asking you to do. And then think about them. Think about it if it's worth it. That's one thing I want you to do, Chachi Corporate America. Why don't you come clean with your middle managers and just tell them, hey, look, we're taking the profits. You guys take the beatings right I don't I don't, I just don't understand that level of psychopathy you know one strategy that I have noticed taking root in this country in the name of production is to give people a number think about it we have social security numbers, employee numbers, phone numbers. Giving someone a number is a way of dehumanizing them, right? Because you could you could put down eight six five what, whatever number you decide to put down. When you think of a number, you don't think of humanity. When you think of a number, you don't think of a guy who just got divorced. When you think of a number, you don't think of a guy who just lost a kid. When you think of a number, you don't think of anything that has to do with the relationship between two people. What you do think of is how that number is not where you want it. And let's think about where this idea of numbering people came from. You know, my dad and my grandpa were both Marines. In fact, I have people in my family that have fought almost in every war. Going all the way back to the birth of this country. But you guys remember World War II? Remember that? they rounded a bunch of people up and they wrote numbers on their arms as if they were cattle. Remember that? Put a tag on them. Write a tattoo, a number on them. Just write it down. Just write it right on their skin. Because these people are here to help us be productive. Let's just treat them like animals. But again, Chachi, this is where I get back to it, pal. If you treat people like animals, how are they going to act? Is that what you want? You want to dehumanize people and treat them like animals? Well, my friend, I hope you have a nice place to hide. Because you're digging a ditch in which you will never get out of. And not only are you digging the ditch for you, but you're digging the ditch for everybody like you. There's still time. There's plenty of time. You know, every corporation should be paying the freedom dividend. Every American should be getting a paycheck, a portion of the profits from every single company. This is America. This is our country. It's not the corporation's country, Chachi. Could you imagine if everybody had skin in the game? Hey, let's all have a little profit sharing. Did everybody get a check? Did everybody get a check from the government, from Donald Trump, that, to help out during coronavirus? I got one. And it makes me think, like, first off, thanks for sending that. But it makes me think, why can't we always get that? In fact, we should be getting that every month. Where does that money come from? You just print that money? okay. Well, if you're just going to print it, why do I got to pay taxes? Why don't you just print my tax share? Oh, I see, Chachi. You can print money for your bonuses. You can print money for all your friends at the Bank of International Settlements. You could print all your money for all your friends, for all your bonuses, right? But when it comes to the very people that have made this country great, you can't print money for them? We need to rethink this. We need to rethink this. I think there's a few paths we can go down. And when I look at it from the angle that you do, Chachi, that doesn't end well. Not at all. There is a better way. And we should focus on that way. That's a pathway of critical thinking that leads to enlightenment. That's the pathway that you walk down and you start to see things getting better. It's the pathway that ultimately is going to lead to the same destination as the other. And just so everybody knows, the final destination is going to be glorious. <clears throat> it's just a matter of how we get there. I read a book recently about deflation, the coming deflation, and how technology is creating abundance. And it seems to me that's what all this hubbub, that's what all this is about, is that there's enough for everybody. you think this would be a time to celebrate a new golden age, a new golden era. I'm talking on a phone that's worth $3,000, but a few years back, it was probably worth 10. And a few years before that, it was probably worth 20. There's more technology in this phone that was in the dang space shuttle. You see, technology makes everything cheaper. I can talk on a phone at my house, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, and reach a hundred thousand people and I can do it all online and I can begin it in a day I can store my information on a hosting site I can edit <clears throat> I can edit all my stuff on my phone do you know why that's important chachi because we don't need eighty percent of the stuff that's out there. We don't need corporations that specialize in editing, that specialize in this and specialize in that. We need a little bit of those people, but the technology is not only making it more abundant, it's making it easier to use for someone with a high school education who can come out and do the technological legwork or the put together a project that used to take a team of people to do in multiple countries. Now one person can do all that in a day in a day and we have abundance now i just drove past on my way to work there's this there's a stadium and you know what's at that stadium thousands of new cars just sitting there you know why there's thousands of new cars sitting there because they got nowhere to put them they're bringing in cars they can't even sell them there's an abundance of cars brand new ones no one's driving How much is that car worth the longer it sits on that lot? How many silver Lincoln Navigators can a community of a million people buy? Right? Does does it... Everybody knows that a car devalues the second you drive it off the lot. How long does it devalue sitting on the lot? You get it? Did you guys see the farmers and stuff throwing out milk and, and killing cows and pigs? Think about that. We have so much, we've got to kill it. we got all this stuff. we got to kill it all. Why? Because if we don't kill all these pigs, if we throw out all this milk, it's going to drive the price down. We have all these cars. We've got to do something. It's going to drive the price down. We're not going to make the same profit we made last year. You get it? Everything is going to be cheaper. Deflation is coming. That is going to be glorious. If you are a working person, if you get up, you go to work every day, and you wish you could spend more time with your family, then deflation is glorious. If you're an institutional banker, not so glorious. If you're, if you're a multinational corporation, deflation is like the F word. You don't want to hear that. You're not going to make as much profit. You know what that means? Less jets, less boats, less billionaire islands. Less being able to look down your nose at people and tell people how much greater you are than them. Deflation is like the, the, all the air being let out of the ego of corporate America. And that's why you see so much chaos in the streets. They don't want it. No, we need more. We must have more. Chachi, this is the wrong way, buddy. You sound like a four-year-old who wants more and is screaming, life ain't fair. We, all of us, have worked our butts off to get where we are today. All of us. All of us. All of us. All of us. Whether you work at a McDonald's or whether you work as a CEO, you are the same person. Comprende, amigo? You may think you're more important when you sit on a nice oak table and you tell people what to do, but you're not. You're not more important. In fact, if you're stealing the profits from the very people you claim to lead, you're worse. You're worse than that. Wake up. The people next to you, that's you. Whenever you see a homeless person on the street, that's you. You get it? That's the homeless part of yourself. When you pass by somebody that doesn't have what you have, stop and look at that person because that person can tell you a story of what you are lacking. When you drive by a part of town that's in squalor, think for a minute, that's cancer on our society. How can we possibly move forward without fixing that? Why can we rebuild schools in Afghanistan Five times and people in Michigan can't have clean drinking water. Why? Why can can we fly a 747 filled with unmarked $100 bills and give it to Iran? Why can't we just fly one to every city? Why can't we just fly a Cessna to every city and unload a few stacks of hundreds to everybody? Why not Because our senators, our congressmen, our leaders, our business executives, they don't profit from that. Why would they want to do that? They don't, get any, they don't get to go to a foreign country and hobnob with exotic people and eat exotic food and have people there look at them like gods. That's what people in positions of authority want to be treated as. I'm not saying all of them, Chachi, but most of them. This idea of greed is cancer. And there's good news and bad news. The good news is we're going to treat the cancer. The bad news is it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So Chachi in closing I hope that you make a decision To do the right thing Because technically you're still in charge You still got the boardroom You still got the jets You still got the boats But for how long? How long Corporate America? I think you need to refocus Your values For a long time Corporate America has been able to cut regulations, increase profits, using some sort of ridiculous rhetoric about uniting the world through business. I get it. I get it. And I think you guys get it too. It's not going to work. That's what I get. What kind of a free trade agreement is like 5,000 pages. A free trade agreement should be like a handshake. Hey, let's trade for free, right? A free trade agreement shouldn't be 5,000 pages that have stipulations and footnotes and ambiguous language about what can and can't happen. That's not free trade. That's a contract. I love you guys and I love our country And I love a lot of the businesses that we participate in I love a lot of the products that we make What I don't love Is how people get treated I don't love how The guy making the product or the woman making the product Gets treated as if they are a product Some of you may have seen this I saw a while back it was this <clears throat> documentary and they were talking about this woman in India you know in Bangladesh that made like a penny a day and she was making some sort of furniture you know she was making the leg of the furniture and she would making a penny a day and they flew this they flew this woman out here They they showed the where she lived and where she worked and it was it was disheartening to say the least. And they flew her out here and they showed her the store where that product was being sold for like $65. Dude, you see the woman's face just instantaneously break. Not just her face, not just her emotions break, but her spirit. Like part of her died and just bah, tears and You know, if you look closely at the tears, you could see the reflection of her children and her parents that have died and all the disease in her country. And so, the person making the documentary and the woman, they go to the, they go to some of the board of directors and they say this, this woman makes a penny a day. You're selling this thing for $65. Do you think maybe you could give her another penny and just maybe give everybody working there one more penny. That would, that would double her income. It would make a world of difference. You know what this dummy said? Take, try, try to think what this dummy said. This dummy said, I'm trying to figure out how to pay her a penny less. You know who that dummy was? That dummy was Chachi, corporate America. It can't go on. It can't go on. Look at the airlines. I like flying places. You guys like flying places? Yeah, it's awesome. I love flying places. However, the airline strategy over the last few years has been the same as the rest of corporate America's strategy over the last few years. And that is to buy back their own stock. Think about that. They buy back their own stock. They inflate the price of their stock with their own money and then they get, the people that own shares get a dividend or their stock price goes up. That's the worst financial strategy on the planet. It's a freaking Ponzi scheme, right? But it gets better because all these corporations just now, they all just got a huge bailout. Another one. They got another bailout. Are you kidding me? billions and billions and billions of dollars and our government won't even tell us who got the money but i'll tell you all your all of them you think your politician voted against this you're wrong it was unanimous i don't care what state you're in who your senator is or who your congressman is or what ideas they pretend to talk about you know what they care about corporate america they don't care about you oh look at this guy's hands he has blisters don't listen to him So our government just gave all the corporations a big bailout. The corporations took all the money they gave them and they put that money into their stock. And then the CEOs retired because their stock options, their retirement is tied to the price of the stock. Last year, tenfold times, like ten times as many CEOs retired last year as they did in previous years. You think they didn't see this coming? all this talk of people buying bunkers and and economic and all this talk of like global warming and all this talk of our planet being in trouble and people oh they're buying bunkers because they're afraid of the, the the climate. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the economic climate and you see it happening all over the world. People are rising up whether it's the Arab Spring, whether it's the yellow vests in France, whether it's the students in Hong Kong, or the people all over our country now, what do they all have in common? What do they have? What do they all have in common? You know what it is? All the resources have been sucked out of places and funneled right to the very top technology has made that transparent the very force that has made people able to rule the world and tilt it in their favor for so long is the same technology that's now evening the playing board and those people that stole from everyone are getting scared they're running they're hiding they're paying people off but it's not enough it's not enough someone has to go to jail You get it? I'm not calling for violence, or anything like that. What I'm calling for is justice. Someone Someone has to pay the penalty. Some people at the top who have stole from so many people, they got to face justice. I'm not I don't know what their penalty should be. But there needs to be a trial. And if there is not if there is not if it is not done the right way, then it'll be done the wrong way. You know what I mean by that? A little bit ago, I talked about history and how it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. If we do not put people from Wall Street or politicians, if we don't try these people in a court of law with a jury of working people, if you don't do this soon and now, then you're going to start to have show trials. You guys know what show trials are? Show trials are the appearance of a trial. Show trials are what Bane did on Batman. Remember that? Where he started bringing in all these people and he's like, you're guilty of stealing and you got to go walk on this thin ice and you're going to die. That is coming. If you, I don't know if you guys had seen the Weinstein brothers on Joe Rogan, but that's what that guy was talking about. Right? Think about this. What happens if this cop... What happens if this cop who murdered George Floyd gets off? What happens? You know what happens. I know what happens. That guy's a murderer. You killed that... You killed... You killed George Floyd. That guy should be in prison. I think. He should... He should get a trial by people, and get a fair shake. And I think if, if he sat down at a trial, then he would obviously, in my opinion, I think that he, there's no way he can get out of that. If you have a trial of jurors and they see the footage there, that guy murdered him. He murdered George Floyd. Okay, but who murdered more people? This guy that killed George Floyd? Or some guy on Wall Street who has stole billions of dollars from, from the, all of America? Where's that guy's trial? How about our leaders that stand up and talk about fighting corruption but then just go in the back room and start signing deals? What about those guys? Where's the justice for them? Where is the justice for the people that get into politics and then make money as a lobbyist later? Do you think some of those guys should be on trial? I think we have laws for domestic terrorism. Right? Why, why is it that the Patriot Act is being used against regular Americans? I mean, it's so funny how they name the law sometimes. Like, this is the Patriot Act. But it seems like the Patriot Act puts patriots in jail. I think we could change it. Like, the Patriot Act could be used to put domestic terrorists in prison. And how do you define domestic terrorism? Well, domestic terrorism could be people that are of this country that make a conscious decision to do ill will towards regular working people that can't defend themselves. You know, one could actually look at the CEO's job description and while it doesn't exactly say that, you could point to a lot of evidence that shows that There's a lot of smart people out there that Are just regular people And my friends at the top of corporate America You don't get it, man You either gotta police yourselves Or justice is coming I love you guys, man I love all of my countrymen and women But times, they are a-changing you see what's happening you see these riots you see the the face of america changing you know i think christopher ryan wrote a book that is talks about in part of the book it talks about grasshoppers now grasshoppers right we've all caught remember when you're a little boy and you go to the field and you catch a grasshopper and you're like whoa look at this thing it's amazing sometimes we'd go out in the field and there'd be like a ton, a lot of them there'd be A hundred of them. They're all over the place. However, the grasshopper is like the working man. By itself, the grasshopper is harmless. It goes in and it it eats some of the, it, it takes away some of the stuff from the field. It does its job in the grasslands. It helps the environment. However, there comes a point And I forgot what the number is. However, when grasshoppers start coagulating in one spot, they hit a critical mass. I think that number is like 100,000. You know, and no one knows why they do this, but they just do it. All of a sudden, grasshoppers, they start swarming. And when that swarm reaches a critical mass, when it reaches a certain number, the grasshopper changes it, physically changes into a locust. And those locusts swarm upon the fields. They swarm upon the animals. They swarm upon the, the planet. And they cause destruction and chaos, and they eat everything in its way. They physically change their structure. Not just the way they think, but their structure. And again, the working man, the masses are like that. You get it, corporate America? Do you understand this, corporate America? The grass fields are your fields of profit. You're maintaining these fields. You think you're this shepherd. But the once mankind, once all the working people across the world, they get together, they're going to change. And they're coming and they're going to wipe out everything you think you own, everything you thought you built. You're going to learn really quick. You didn't build anything. You have nothing. That's what's happening. Right? When the grasshoppers hit 100,000 or whatever that number is, they physically change and they swarm. Working people have been alienated, but now they are coming together and they're beginning to swarm and there's nowhere you can hide. You can't run. You can't hide all your profits, all your money pumping, all your political scheming and all your your ideas of this race is better than this race your objects of division all your social science your Edward Bernays all of it your marketing your K Street all of it, it none of it's going to work none of it zero zilch people in authority politicians business leaders. This is your opportunity to stop the swarm, but you have to give up a large percentage of what you're doing. Even the playing field, take it back to basics. Hey, there has to be a way for you to give the people working under you more control of the company. You have to give the people working under you more of the profits, And don't give me this BS about not being able to retain talent. Please. People work hard because they want to be in a position where they make change. Not dollars. Change. Get it? The best will always rise if we give them something to rise to. But the swarm is coming. Turn on your TV. First off, you guys, we should all turn off our TV. But if you want to see what's happening, look at it. The swarm is coming. But that was the an analogy that I wanted to talk about. I love you guys. I want us to work together. I want us to be better. And I want us to see things from each other's point of view. So thank you for taking time to listen to this Chachi. My good corporate America friends. Top of the food chain, Ivy League, Chachi. I hope you think about this, pal. And when you're ready to talk, come on back into my office. I'll have some crumb cake for you. Aloha, everyone.